But again, we were rewarded for ball and play. Um, and, you know, it was nothing special um, in terms of how he hit it, but he hit it in the right spot and used the speed to, to get a base hit. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I try to be a lot of things on this show. Try to be informative sometimes when I feel like, ah, this game went this way and I am trying to explain the way that I saw a game or a play or a player. Like, this is sometimes an informative show. I listen to sports talk radio sometimes to learn. Uh, a lot of times I just try to be entertaining. You know, if I can give you five minutes, 15 minutes, 50 minutes of content to listen to on your drive home at night and break up your commute, give you something to look forward to. I'm looking to do that. I'm looking to be entertaining. I like the community of Sports Talk Radio. I'm I'm trying to create a community here, a group of callers and tweeters and guests and participants. We're all one big community. We want that sense of being a part of something. All right, so I'm trying to be informational. I'm trying to be uh, community-oriented. I don't know what the word for that would be. I'm trying to be entertaining, but, you know, sometimes I I speak to be inspirational as well. I do seek to be inspirational. And I can't help but think that since we put the Brewers on blast last Thursday and Friday after getting swept in Los Angeles, man, have they turned it around. On Thursday and Friday, we said the Brewers can't do it. They can't compete with the big boys in the NL or the AL. They can't compete with other elite teams. Even if they make it into the playoffs, they're just going to be... You know, roadkill for whatever team they match up against. I, I'm not saying we inspired the Brewers. I, I'm not not going to say it, but I'm, I'm also not going to say it. I, I think we might have inspired our hometown team just a little bit. And I think we've rejuvenated a fan base as well, because I was at the Brewer game yesterday, their fifth win in a row. And it was sweaty and it was hot. Some meteorologists said it was dangerous heat. Well, here are the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We thumbed our nose at that. Bill said, I'm broadcasting outside. And I said, I'm going to the Brewer game. I'm going to tailgate for two hours out in the parking lot, sit out in the outfield. I'm going to sweat it out because that's how much I love this team. You could feel it yesterday at American Family Field. I think we might have just inspired this team just a little bit. I don't think it's a coincidence that last Thursday and Friday, we were basically selling, sell, sell, sell this Brewers team around. And they've done nothing but win since. So we must have inspired them. Either that or we were 100% wrong, and I was 100% wrong about the Brewers, and that's obviously not what happened. So <laughs> we're, never, we're never wrong about things. Lord, oh, God forbid we have a bad take. I have a bad take. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an awesome day. hope you've been able to be inside for most of it. I did go to the Brewer game yesterday. I did spend a lot of time outside. It doesn't mean that I loved it. I tolerated it. And if I had my druthers, I would have spent more time inside yesterday. That X-Golf was looking pretty nice yesterday afternoon. (laughs) I'm like, you know what? We make fun of X-Golf, but I know the air conditioning is on up there. And I know there's a private bar in there. I know it's not in the sun. We talk a lot of smack about the X-Golf. Maybe I should walk over the left field corner. No, 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 no. I stayed in the bleachers in right field uh, with all of the the Brewers fans that showed up to watch the Brewers play in a hundred degree heat yesterday. Brewers have won five in a row. We're going to start with the Brewers this evening. If you're a somewhat regular listener to the show, I'm sure that's no surprise to you. We talk a lot of Brewers on the Wisco sports show. Lots of news around the NFL yesterday. 
My goodness. I picked a bad day to, to be on vacation, to be off. Trey Lance might be on the outs in San Francisco. He's at least their third-string quarterback, so if he's not on the outs, he's riding the bench basically all year. Chris Jones is holding out with the Chiefs. I saw Colin Cowherd. I'm pretty sure, because I had it on mute in the studio here today during Bill's show, I saw pictures of Glenn Fry and Don Henley. I'm like, is he doing Is he doing an Eagles analogy right now? And not the Eagles, the football team, the, the, the 70s California country soft rock band. He's doing a, a Don Henley, Don Felder money analogy that broke up a great band. Is he really saying that about Chris Jones and the Chiefs? That's awesome. All about that. We might discuss that. Uh, there was some... Packers-related, Packers-adjacent news uh, that was on Hard Knocks last night, or at least a, a quote from Randall Cobb that I found very interesting, so we might get to that. And Mason Crosby posted a video on Twitter today. It was like, I want a kick. I want a job. And I see people tweeting at me that we need to bring Mason Crosby back, so I'm sure we'll have some kicker talk tonight as well. 608-321-1670 if you'd like to join the show. I would love to have you talk about the Brewers, talk about the Packers, talk about Whatever. Hell, Bill's show earlier today, we spent like 15 minutes talking about Bigfoot. So I'm down for whatever. I'm also on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can find me there. DM me, tweet me, interact with the show uh, or don't. But if you're on Twitter and that interests you, you can find me at Wisco Grant. Don't look now, but our boys in brew have won five in a row. Two first place teams, nonetheless, in Arlington against the Texas Rangers, who have been unbelievable this year. They're 20 games over 500. And then against the Minnesota Twins, albeit for two games and albeit in a weak division, the Twins are a first place team. That's a solid team. Uh, and I was texting with some of my buddies yesterday who were Twins fans, a couple of my, my best buddies from high school. And they're, you know, complaining about the bullpen and I'm complaining about the offense and we're all miserable because baseball makes us miserable, even though we. T- we turn on our team and we watch our team every single day. Uh, they do make us miserable. We complain about them, but come seven ten most nights, I'm in my recliner uh, on my, my living room TV watching the game, not my bedroom TV. That's only reserved for late night games. Uh, so keep your cracks about my television size. A man's television size is, is nobody's business but his own. Oh, stick that fork in that conversation before it ever even starts. Two straight sweeps, five straight wins against two really good teams and against the Rangers over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was really impressed by the pitching. And we talked about this on Monday, a little bit on Tuesday as well. Adrian Hauser was awesome last week. And I know it didn't amount to a win against the Dodgers, but he was awesome again against the Rangers. Freddie Peralta was unbelievable on Saturday afternoon, early evening. Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff has not been awesome. He hasn't been elite. He hasn't been Cy Young level. He's come back from missing most of the year and just slotted right in to be out-getter guy. Come in. You can count on me for five or six innings. I might give up three or four runs, but I'm not going to burn the bullpen up. I'm not going to completely tilt this game sideways and completely screw up Craig Council's game plan for the next day and the next day. I'm going to come in here, and I'm going to handle my stuff, and while I try to get back to an elite level, I'm going to be a very useful uh, pitcher with a lot of utility in the meantime. So against the Rangers, I was really impressed by the pitching. That was the story of that weekend for me and the bullpen as well of course it's not to say the offense didn't do its job in texas they totally did they played really well 21 runs in three games but i came out of that texas rangers series thinking about hauser and peralta and, and woodruff and you know remove burns re- remove the, the ace the pitching staff played really really well i was thinking about the pitching coming out of the texas series the last two days against the twins i was really impressed by the offense 
because Wade Miley was not awesome the other night. And Corbin Burns was not awesome yesterday. And part of that was because it was like a swamp in the ballpark. It was 100 degrees. Kenta Maeda was up there burning up. I mean, there was traffic in inning number one. These guys were grinding. They're working hard, 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 hard. It's like in the on-deck circle when you're swinging with weights on the bat. That's what it looked like to be out on the mound pitching yesterday. It just looked like a slog. Devin Williams, Craig Council said after the game, struggled to grip the ball because of the sweat, and he eventually figured it out. But yesterday was not a good day to be a pitcher, so I'm not even putting it on Corbin Burns. Sometimes I still don't think his pitch selection has been awesome this year, and there's been plenty written uh, and said about Burns' pitch selection. Yesterday was about the offense. Tuesday night was about the offense. I was so impressed with the offense yesterday the way in which they fell behind early, fought right back. They fell behind again, fought right back. Corbin Burns gave up some soul-crushing, soul-crushing two-out homers where he thought Burns was just about out of the inning. And we're like, all right, not bad. Burns is working hard. He's hot. It's sweaty. You give up one run, that's no big deal. Give up two runs in four innings, that's no big deal. And then the two-out, two-run home runs. Damn it, but we were so close to getting out of the inning. Or the two-out solo shot. We were so close to getting out of the inning. And the offense felt like they popped back up half inning later, an inning later, and they had an answer. They had a response. Uh, And some of it was home run based. They had a couple ding bombs yesterday. Adamas, Tyrone Taylor hit a nuke. And I want to talk about Willie Adamas here in a second. But some of the offense yesterday was small ball, including the final at bat, the final inning of the game when Bryce Terang just beat one into the grass. And I was sitting out in left field. And I wouldn't tell you this if it wasn't true. Because I hope by now, you know, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, I really don't care that much about being right. I'm going to tell my opinion. I'm going to give you my take. It might be wrong. Well, whatever. Let's have fun. Let's give our opinions. Let's make guesses. Let's try to predict things. And if we're wrong, whatever. We move on. I talk for two hours a night. I'm going to get a lot of things wrong. I am not obsessed with being right about everything and being first on everything. But I was sitting in the left field seats yesterday, sweating. Oh, my God, I was so sweaty. And it smells because I'm surrounded by a bunch of men who've been drinking beer and sweating all day. And if this game goes to the 11th, I, I don't know if I'm toughing it out. I might leave, right? We've reached that point in the game. It's the 10th, two outs. And I'm like, man, they got a runner at third. We got to get this guy home. We got to wrap this game up. And I told a buddy, I'm like, Turing should just try to just put this on the ground, a swinging bunt, a, a little dribbler, just, just try to end this ugly. Because the way the air was so thick and it was so humid, just beat the ball into the ground. Terrain can fly. Don't try to win this with flash. Don't try to win this with this driving double to the gap. Don't try to hit a bomb. Just put the ball in play and cross your fingers. Because I honestly felt like the most likely way the Brewers were going to win once Bryce Terrain got up there with two outs. Now, when there was no outs, runner at second, after Willie Adamas hit that single that turned into a double because the center fielder, Michael A. Taylor, made, a, made an error and that tied up the game. Right after there got to be one out and two outs, it's like, all right, my dreams of a sack fly or a ringing double, they're dead. Just just put this ball in play and cross your fingers. And that's exactly what Bryce Terang did. And that's what Craig Council was talking about after the game. Rewarded for contact, getting rewarded for putting the ball in play. And Bryce Terang was up there against Juan Duran, who's an unbelievable pitcher, throws 100 plus miles per hour, has an unbelievable sinker. You always see his stuff, his pitches, his highlights on Pitching Ninja on Twitter if you follow that account. And other baseball accounts, you'll see Duran pitches all the time. Like, that guy's nasty. Bryce Trang falls behind 0-2 and fights. He's, he's up there battling to keep in the fight, to keep in the at-bat, eventually manages to put a ball in place, smashes it into the grass. This big, 
big bounce that took forever to get down to the third baseman, and Bryce Strang beat it out. It felt like the way that the game should have ended. It's like, of course it ends on a ground ball. Of course. We're all sweating. (laughs) Rewarded for putting a ball in play. I like that. And I like that Craig Council referenced that at the end of the game last night. You heard that. That was a part of tonight's intro. Rewarded for the ball in play. I'm going to play that one more time because it jumped out to me listening to Craig Council last night, leaving the ballpark and listening to the presser on the radio. Yeah, it was nothing. I got to restart it from the beginning. Uh, That would help, Grant. But again, we were rewarded for ball in play. Um, And... You know, it was nothing special um, in terms of how he hit it, but he hit it in the right spot and used the speed to, to get a base hit. Rewarded for putting the ball in play. I like that. And I know there's a lot of baseball fans listening right now. They're like, yes, 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 yes. I also will take a little bit of a dump on small ball because in the ninth, Devin Williams struggling to grip the baseball. I think he started the inning with five or six straight balls. And uh, Michael A. Taylor gets up there. Who would hit a run? He had hit a home run earlier in the game on an afternoon where the ball is jumping off the bat. And what does Rocco Baldelli's knob ass do? He calls for a bunt. So gives up strike one, gives up strike two because Michael A. Taylor can't bunt Devin Williams because who can bunt that? He has unbelievable movement and filthy, filthy stuff. Now the batter's behind 0-2 before the at-bat really starts. And, of course, he strikes out because he's a big hole. So thank you, Rocco Baldelli. I love it when opposing managers try to bunt against my team. I get a kick out of it. It almost never works. But putting the ball in play, ground ball after getting a runner over to third on a sack fly, brilliant. I love it. That's that's a modern version of small ball. I don't think there are a ton of instances in today's day and age where we need a bunt. I think sometimes it's it, fine if you want to do it, if you want to try it. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's not the right play. Willie Adamas. Don't look now. He has RBIs in five straight games. Is that what I saw from Adam McKelvey? Did I read that correctly after yesterday's game? couple of home runs. His RBIs in five straight games, homered in three of the last four. And when Willie Adamas gets hits, when Willie Adamas scores runs, when he gets home runs, the Brewers do better. The Brewers win. The Brewers score when Willie Adamas is producing runs. And I was listening to Josh Maurer, the postgame show, when I was leaving the ballpark yesterday, and he had this nice breakdown of when Willie Adamas hits a home run, here's the Brewers record. When Willie Adamas has an RBI, here's the Brewers record. Craig Council also said after yesterday's game that this offense goes as Willie Adamas goes. And that's not necessarily fair to Adamas because that basically means if Adamas goes in a slump, the rest of the team struggles. The rest of the team sucks like that. That's a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders. Like that's not necessarily fair to Willie Adamas, but that's been the reality for Willie Adamas and this Brewers team since he got here in 2021. Talk about this with Bill Michaels earlier today. I think it was in the first hour of the show. I said, Bill, think back to 2021. Think back to right when he got here. There was an instant difference when he got here and when he had even a little bit of success on offense, everyone else fed off of it. The team fed off of him and the rest of the hitters followed suit when Willie did well. And I I don't know why that is. I don't know. You, You put a group of athletes together, especially baseball. It's such a weird sport. You put a group of hitters together. You never know exactly how the math works out. You never know how emotionally the guys fit together and feed off of each other and who's a vocal leader, who's a quiet leader, who's a spark plug. You just never know. It's almost like throwing a bunch of ingredients into a bowl and shaking it and you just see what the final result is. You never know. When Willie Adamas was added in as an ingredient into this recipe in 2021 and the Brewers shook it around, it became clear that as Adamas goes, the Brewers will go. I don't know why the sports gods zapped the brewers with that equation with that recipe but that's how it shook out 
And for the most part over the last couple of years, Willie Adamas, even when he's been slumping, hits a home run every once in a while, has a big hit every once in a while, and he does enough to provide that spark to the offense. This year, that hasn't been the case. Not only has the power gone away, but all the other hits have gone away. Like, Willie Adamas has never been a great average hitter, never been a, a super consistent put-the-ball-in-play hitter, but he hit enough home runs here and there to kind of make up for it and cosmetically, you know, give the illusion of success, even if his batting average sucked and even if his OPS wasn't great. This year, he's still not hitting for average, still not hitting for OPS, but the home runs have disappeared as well. And over the last week, we've seen that come back. And I don't want to say Willie is back or Willie has figured it out or Willie has turned it around. But over the last five days, Willie Adamas has reminded us the offense feeds off of him. The team feeds off of him. I don't know why that is. That's just how the sports gods decided to to bless this team or curse this team when he got here in 2021. I don't know if you view it as a blessing or a curse, but it's very clear that this offense goes as Willie Adamas goes. And if Willie can even be a little bit better than he's been this year, and he's been great the last five days, but if he can find a happy medium of being a threatening hitter with a power threat, but also a threat to, to get a single, to get a double, to get a walk, this Brewers offense is going to be in a lot better shape. And we saw that against the Rangers, saw it against the Twins on Tuesday night. And yesterday afternoon, 608-321-1670. We'll take a three-minute break. Come back, talk Brewers. There was also a story put out by Ken Rosenthal, this son of a gun. A little bit of a Danny Ainge special. Hey, guess what the Brewers almost did at the trade deadline? Yeah, did you read this story? If you missed it, I'll share with you the details. And give my take. I actually think this is exciting. This is not a, oh, what could have been. I think this is a story of, ooh, what still could be in the months to come. So we'll talk about this Brewer story that came out five wins and are a lot to talk about with Brewers baseball. And we'll get to the Packers as well. Wisco sports show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco sports show with Grant bills on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I don't know if we're going to hear from Mike Clemens tonight. I'm not sure. So TBD on if we'll get an appearance from Mike. He's really busy earlier today. He's sending lots of audio. He's in the locker room. He was at practice. He was doing a million things. So I, I don't know. If Mike doesn't have time, I, I don't want to badger Mike tonight. We have plenty to talk about. I was gone yesterday. I want to get caught up with some some callers, some regulars. I want to go back and forth, talk about the Brewers. Uh, and this Ken Rosenthal story really interesting as well. So the Brewers have won five in a row. I want to talk about that. Ken Rosenthal put out a story today about how close the Brewers were to getting Pete Alonso at the deadline, and the Mets still might try to trade him in the offseason. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Brewers. I'm still open to the idea that maybe they go after him again, and maybe they do so successfully in the offseason. I'm very interested to talk about that. And, of course, Packers. A uh, big day of practice today, one of the final days of practice, and sure the kicker will come up as well because I'm fielding tweets about that at Wisco Grant on Twitter. Let's take some calls. 608-321-1670. We'll start with Cone. Cone Roller, how are you today? Grant, good to have you back on a lovely Thursday. Appreciate it. I I do occasionally miss Wednesday shows. I try to not miss Friday shows, never miss a Friday show, but Wednesday, hit or miss. Yeah, you know, the midday or the midweek vacation day, kind of underrated. It is underrated, but... But then again, like now that I'm back, I have to work today and tomorrow. Like it, I think it makes the week uh, feel longer. It is really nice to have that that freebie, that free space in the middle of the week. But it, it, I think it makes the week feel longer as a whole. Oh wow! 
I don't usually take midday or midweek vacation days, so I wouldn't know. But you know, just seeing how it was. Your but yeah, good Brewers win yesterday. Good one to be in attendance of. Um, kind of a rare style. You see the Brewers win, where they're kind of always answering the bell when yes. the other team scores. You don't see that too often. So yeah. you know, thought that was a great win. Um, got a little bit of a pushback for you on your kind of expectation for the Brewers season. I've been thinking about it the last few days on, you know, how you want to just get in, get these young guys some experience in the playoffs. But in my opinion, playoff experience is kind of a bunch of hogwash for for the MLB and especially the way this team is built right now. I mean, we have a few, you know, promising young talent players, but who is really going to be here Next year, Willie Thomas is a question mark. Corbin Burns is a question mark. This bullpen, they, they're not giving the most sustainable vibes to me. Uh, so I don't know if getting in is going to really help you in the future years. Because so there's so much turnover, and there's not as much turnover in other sports. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I think even in baseball it can help when you have that really solid young core. But I even think back to the 2008 Brewers. They didn't really do anything after that, I guess, until 2011. But that was just another one-hit wonder. Same as 2018. That was the first year we've really had this playoff success, and that was the furthest we've gone since. So yeah. I don't know if building playoff success and experience matters. I'll take that. I'll listen to that. I'm thinking mostly for Freelick, Weimer, Terang. Uh, I mean, Aaron Ashby's hurt right now still, so that I guess that one doesn't really that one doesn't really count, but I totally get where you're coming from. Like you don't want to mess around. If you have a chance to get into the major league baseball playoffs, you don't want to mess around because it's hard to make it. It's easier these days, but it's, it's still not easy. Like just ask the reds or the Cubs or some of these other teams, ask the Cardinals. They thought they'd be probably contending for this division this year. They're not even close. So it isn't easy to make the playoffs. I don't mean to minimize the, the playoff berth is just nice experience, but as Brewer fans, you know, we've, We've gotten pretty used to making it. So maybe I'm getting a little high on the hog and, and getting used to success and taking it for granted. Spoiled, some would say. Some some would. I, I probably wouldn't in this instance, but I, I think it's a fair word to use and I'll allow it. I won't I won't push back on that. Awesome. All right. Well thank you. You're and welcome. then Packers, I think Dylan Carlson's an issue. I really do. And this might be a little in the weeds, but Mason Crosby tweeting out that video of him drilling field goals. Is that a coincidence today? I don't know. It probably, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is, is Mason Crosby just trying to kick for the Packers? Is he trying to get anywhere in the league? I mean, if I were Mason Crosby, dude, dude, just retire. Like, why do you, I mean, I, I don't know. It's pretty easy work as a kicker, I, I guess. Don't get me wrong. It's just a couple of months and you get a couple million bucks. I, I guess I could understand why he's trying to come back. Here's here's my thoughts on kicker cone. We're going to have to do this at some point. We are going to have to probably take our lumps with a young kicker to get our kicker of the future. This is the best year to do it because if Jordan Love is the guy, they're going to have more draft picks, more cap space next year. Ideally, they're better next year and the year after. It's like getting your wisdom teeth pulled. You just do it right away. Get it out of the way with. That's how I feel about the kicking position. And maybe we get to week six and Anders Carlson is a disaster. I just, I, I don't think that'll be the case. I think it'll be okay. And I think this is the year we got to do it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get into the season. Cause maybe if he misses some kicks, I get really pissed and I change my tune. Yeah. I just think like we're the green Bay Packers championship organization. There should be zero patience with a kicker. 
anybody can kick in the NFL. There's <sighs> people all around. I mean, the Niners oh. got Robbie Gold for, what, eight years after he had a great career with the Bears. Those guys are out there. Not, I won't say all the time, but there is a consistent backlog of kickers you can choose from. Right. You don't need to bury your lumps with some rookie who can't even kick in practice. I'm, 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 I'm concerned. My level of concern is high. Out of on a uh, score of one to ten, where is your level of concern specifically, Cone? I'd say an eight. Okay. Carlson. Okay. That's fair. I mean, still could go higher, but it could be a lot lower. So, wow, that's jarring. I, when you put it on, on a scale of one to 10, that really makes me understand fully how you feel. Con. I don't think we're going to agree on this and that's fine. I, I'm interested to, to keep this back and forth going about this as the season goes along. Cause I, I don't know. I'm telling myself, Hey, if it costs you a game, costs you a game. If, if it's getting you your kicker of the future, I don't know if I'll be saying the same thing Monday after they lose a game to the Vikings because of their kicker, you know? Yeah, and kind of the last thing I'll say on Carlson, I'm sick of people saying, oh, well, his brother struggled, and now he's amazing. It's well, a completely different person. It, you cannot apply that logic to Anders that you do to whatever the heck his older brother's name is. True. Daniel. That's fair. That's that's 100% fair. I'll hear that. It's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a fair comparison or unfair comparison. I totally agree. Conan, I'm going to let you go. I jam-packed phone's got a loaded show. i got to keep moving. Awesome. Thanks, Grant. Have a good one. Yeah, you as well. Appreciate you always. Cone roller. Timely, punctual, topical. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, they're different people. Like, I don't even care that they're siblings. I think the Vikings are a good cautionary tale that if you are committing to a young kicker, forget their last name. Forget it's a Carlson. Just The Vikings had a kicker that they liked, and then they let a couple bad moments sway them completely. They got rid of them. And maybe if they would have been a little bit more patient, then Daniel Carlson's their kicker for a decade. You know, forget that they're brothers. The Vikings, that, that's just an example. Brothers aside, just another NFL kicker where a team made the mistake, I think, of moving off of a guy too early. And this is the perfect year to take your lumps with a kicker. It's the perfect year to get the wisdom teeth pulled out. You're not getting married. You're not taking some big trip to Europe. Just get it over with. Get it done with, and then you don't have to worry about it for a while. I think this is the same thing. It's like getting your wisdom teeth pulled out. Mike in Windsor, 608-321-1670. Hello, Mike. Hey, what's going on, Grant? Not much. I'm jazzed about what the Brewers have been doing the last couple of days. And there's so much NFL news right now. This is great. I'm a little bummed that I was off yesterday because I feel like there's half a dozen great stories that have come out. Yeah, the Brewers are on fire, and uh, there's another fire in the Major League Baseball, and it's a dumpster fire. It's called the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> this is um, true. So, God, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know you, Mike and Windsor. I know you didn't call me to talk baseball, though. I, I did not. I did not. So Cone Roller makes awesome points, and I'm going to go a step ahead of him. I'm going to say a nine. Ooh. I'm a nine, man. I'm I'm concerned with Carlson. He made two out of six kicks in practice on Tuesday. Two out of six. And they said there was a considerable wind, but let's be real. There's going to be wind in Lambeau Field every game, pretty much. And uh, not to mention here in, you know, three weeks they play in the Windy City. So let's uh, – you know, level of concern needs to be high for that. All right. There's like Cone Roller said, there's kickers everywhere. Um, and a guy that's making two out of six kicks, I, I don't think that's going to cut it. I really I, don't because, I, because we, we, let's think about last year and the, and some years prior of how concerned we were with our special teams play. Mm-hmm. And we had callers and callers and callers and callers, people calling into your show saying how disgraceful it was. I just don't want that to repeat itself. That's true. It was a big deal a couple of years ago. I trust Rich Bisaccia. 
if Rich Bisacci is like, I got it. I know this kid's deal. We have him on a plan. We have everything under control. I, I'm willing to to trust him and, and listen to him. And if he thinks that we're on a, on the okay path with this guy, then I'm then I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to be patient. I, I'm with you. I I agree and disagree with Cone that there are kickers everywhere. There's always a bunch yeah. of random kickers you can sign. I don't know if there are kickers around where you can sign one and have them for 10 years. I think Robbie Gold is is a little bit of an outlier. Now, if you want to have a... He is, but if you want to have a different kicker every year, okay, well, we can play that game like fantasy football. You know what I mean? Just grab the best guy off waivers and hope that he has a good year. We could do that. I just don't think that's what the Packers are... are, I don't think that's the type... Yeah, it's not their business. It's not the the Packers' way. Exactly. Perfect. One one question I'm going to shoot at you, and then you can let me go and answer it. Um, Rashad Gary back on the field practicing... It's great. It's a great sign. Um, you, we all know the stats. You know, weeks one through nine, they were second in team pressures. Week ten through eighteen, they were I think twenty eighth or twenty ninth, something like that. So, with those stats in mind, how much of an impact is he going to make on the field? How much of an impact will it have on Van Ness as a rookie? And how much of an impact will it have for this somewhat of a obviously young offense um, that's you know going to need some defensive help on the other side of the ball? So. I'm going to leave you with those questions. I'll let you go. Have an awesome night. Brewers are on fire. Got to love it. Damn straight. Appreciate you, Mike. Hope Windsor is beautiful this time of year. Imagine it is. What's the impact from Rashawn Gary? Well, he was great last year before he got hurt. I I don't think the Packers need him to be the best pass rusher in the league. They need him to be consistent week in and week out taking extra attention from multiple offensive linemen, taking the attention of the offensive coordinator of the other team, right? Like they just need him to be special. They don't need him to be the best pass rusher in the league. They need a a, a special player because I like the rotational players they have alongside him. I like Enigbare and and Van Ness is a really interesting rookie. Kenny Clark, obviously, and Wyatt. They need one difference maker. Like it's not good enough for Rashawn Gary to be a very good edge rusher. He needs to be special. There needs to be pop. There needs to be one guy at the defensive end, the edge rusher position, that's head and shoulders above the rest. And I think Rashawn Gary can be that guy for a full year. We just haven't seen it yet. So I, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you in terms of stats, numbers, you know, pressure rate. If they can have him be head and shoulders, the best player on that defensive line, and, and the guy that opposing offensive coordinators have to game plan for, perfect. Then he will have done his job in 2023, especially coming off an ACL tear. 608-321-1670. One more call before we go to break. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, Grant. It's Clem Head Mike from Chippewa. Clem Head Mike. How are you today up in Chippewa Falls? Great. I haven't talked to you since uh, Monday, so it's good to talk to you. I just want to yeah. thank Cone Roller for all the kind, kind words he said about me on Monday. And uh, I do want to agree with him about the uh, Anders Carlson, unless unless his brother was an identical twin and shares the same DNA. It means absolutely nothing. And my my level of concern is right around seven. But okay. um, yeah, I, I was I loved watching you guys outside yesterday. I, I wish you you were on YouTube. I liked I liked watching you live. Um, I, I don't know if you get to read the live stream, but I was the one that posted that I, on a day just like yesterday, that our boot camp company, we marched for six straight hours on the asphalt yeah. grounds with yeah. no water or no brakes, and guys were dropping like flies. So, yeah, um, they don't do that anymore. The toughness, they don't do that stuff in boot camp anymore. But, yeah, it was a miserable day yesterday, but uh, people have survived worse. Life so, goes um, on. I, I saw your comment so, on Bill's live stream. Did you get your grill out yesterday? Did we, did we motivate you oh, and yeah. inspire you? 
you did motivate and inspire me. I went out and I, I switched from live stream to FM headphones, and I went out and grilled a couple of steaks, and uh, <laughs> it was hotter than hell. I got a brand-new Traeger a flat top, Ooh. and uh, I cooked – you know, no flare-ups. I, I never thought I'd like a flat-top grill, but I tell you, I got to recommend it. I mean, it's so sweet not having any burnt spots on your food. And because sometimes I'd cook chicken, it would flare up so bad, and the skin would get burnt. You know, in just a couple minutes. Mm. Man, this cooks steaks so nice. So, so is it is it like a blackstone? Because everyone's into the blackstone, and that's that. I guess is a different type of flat-top. I'm oh, sure it's very similar. Blackstone's the same same thing, but the Traeger is just well, it's, it's a lot more expensive. But that a uh, boy. Oh, it is. You know what? I always, when it comes to tools and stuff, I always buy high quality stuff because there's always enough money to buy twice. There's never enough money to buy something mm-hmm. high quality. You know, when it comes to stuff like that, I always like to buy the best and make you know it always last two or three times as long. But and you'll take you care know, of it. You know, like if I if I spend a lot of money on something like that, I'm going to take care of it and I'm going to make sure I, I clean yeah. it up and keep it nice. Yeah, it holds me oh, yeah. accountable too. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a little toasty out there because those things generate a lot more heat than the regular gas grill does. Yeah, it's like you're you cooking. It's like you're a line cook in the back of a restaurant. Yeah, you got to wear gloves. Jeez. I mean, but it, it's so worth it. But, yeah, I was really proud of you guys out there in the sun. And Bill's wearing a black T-shirt, which is like the worst thing you could wear. And then I was so glad. I was really happy for you that you got to see an awesome game. Because I, I, last time I was at the first game, it was a walk-off home run type of game and those are the best i mean you're just you're just pumped up for like a whole drive home you're just excited and it's 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 so much fun to see a game like that so well and and that little dribbler that Pagero couldn't quite get a handle on i'm like if i sweat in the parking lot for two hours and then came in here for three hours sweating my behind off it's one thing to see my team lose but to see them lose on a swinging bunt that the pitcher oh. couldn't get a grip on that would have been lame so i'm glad they did not lose oh. like that and they were able to come back I- Guy falls down, you could have thrown him out easily. And yeah, I, um, yeah. And, and by the way, you were talking about your community. You have a great community here. Like I said, you got the best callers in the country. And uh, we need a. I was going to think, what could we name Grant's community? You're obviously the mayor. We can't call it Grantsburg. It's already been taken. That's true. But, uh, I suppose. I need people. People call in today. Come up with a name for Grant's community. Mayor. Mayor Bills. Oh. And uh, yeah. I like it. We're gonna put cone on that. We're gonna put some. We're gonna crowdsource that. Let's see who can come up with a with a clever name. Mike, take the afternoon off from grilling. Stay inside in the AC and, and hydrate. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. I'm gonna let you go. I will. I'm an old man. I gotta stay out of the heat. Somebody's gotta come and check on me. So. Oh boy. Appreciate you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you too. Thanks. Clemhead Mike in Chippewa Falls. Yeah, Cone. Cone. Cone yesterday called in to support the words of Mike. Say, so, yeah, I thought Mike made some really good points. I was, and I told Cone, I was like, well, look at you guys getting along. And Cone goes, well, you know, fellow Clemhead. <laughs> okay, this is this is getting a little absurd. Let's take a five-minute break. We can continue the kicker conversation. I like that. I got some more things I want to say about the Brewers as well. So, 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 so much more that I want to get to on the Wisco Sports Show. A lot of things to cover between now and six. We're back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bill's on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate you listening. And for those of you that feel moved to call, I always appreciate you. This the show would suck without phone calls. When I started this show in 2018, I went like at least a year. Never really got any calls. Got a couple texts, a couple tweets, but 
Like, people don't buy into a show until it's been around for a while, until they got something established. And now I'm to the point where, like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't get calls on this show. It would be boring. It would stink. Cone Roller brought us onto the kicker conversation again. <laughs> Seems like the kicker has come up uh, once a show for the last couple of weeks. It's not even that I think Anders Carlson is is this amazing kicker and I believe in him and like, guys, no, 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 just be patient. I just think this year is a golden opportunity for the Packers to get their ducks in a row, to figure out their salary cap moving forward, to organize their draft capital because they're going to have some extra draft capital next year because of the Aaron Rodgers trade. If they decide after this year to move off of some other veteran players and, and really go full young up-and-coming team, they're going to have some extra picks. So this year is about figuring out what they need, uh, their strengths and weaknesses of their coaching staff, figure out whether or not Jordan loves the guy, uh, figure out what they need to spend salary cap money on next year, figure out their kicker position. Figuring out the kicker position uh, requires some some growing pains, some some bumps along the road, right? Unless you want to do what Cone Roller suggested. Well, there's kickers everywhere. There's a, there's a Robbie Gold, a Dan Bailey. Okay, but you're probably not going to find your kicker of 8 to 10 years doing that. Now, if you want to take a fantasy football approach, like every year just grab the best kicker you think is available and cross your fingers, okay, I actually don't think that's the worst strategy in the world. I think there's some years are probably going to be great. Other years are probably going to be poor. But as Mike and Windsor pointed out, and he articulated in a way that I was struggling to, it doesn't really seem like the Packers' way. Can you really see Brian Gutekinst and Mark Murphy and the Packers just picking up a different free agent kicker every other year, every two years. No, and it doesn't really feel like what the Packers are about. It feels like they want to identify their guy, develop him, and have him for a long time. And that seems to be what they want to do with Anders Carlson. And if it's not with Anders Carlson, I would imagine that next year or the year after, they'll find another young guy and try to develop him and make him into the kicker of, of 10, 12 years. Maybe not as long of a career as Mason Crosby, but for a long time. It seems like the Packers want to get that position figured out and have it figured out for a while. And I think in any situation where you're developing a young kicker, there's going to be growing pains, and you're going to have to suffer through those growing pains. My point is not, guys, Anders Carlson is an amazing kicker. I know it. Just trust me. He might stink. But this is the perfect year to take your lumps with a young kicker. This is the perfect year to bite the bullet. Because if Jordan Love is good, and he's actually the guy that they can contend with, and they got these extra picks from the Rodgers trade, and they got the salary cap money, the Packers will be better next year. And then the year after, they're going to trend in the right direction. And every year they get better and trend in the right direction, it's going to be harder and harder to stomach having a crummy young kicker going through growing pains. So for everyone who says, just bring Mason Crosby back for this year, okay, but then where does that put us next year at this time? Or the year after? This is a problem that needs to be addressed. And I think we would, for the most part, agree the Packers aren't going to do the free agent uh, merry-go-round every year. Mike said that's not the Packers' way. I would agree. That that doesn't seem like something the Packers would do. So they're going to find their young guy, go through growing pains, and, and hopefully it pays off. This is the year for the growing pains. It's like wisdom teeth. The farther you kick it down the road, the bigger pain in the ass it's going to be, right? The chance they get infected, right? Like if I, if I had to get my wisdom teeth pulled this summer, it would have affected a concert I was going to or a wedding or a vacation. It, it would have gotten the way. Man, when I was in between senior year of high school and freshman year of college, you know what it got in the way of? Lifeguarding for two days because that's all I did with my time. Now I, now I got things. I got people I got to worry about and take care of. 
get the wisdom teeth done and out of the way with before they become a bigger problem. Get the kicker figured out of the figured out and out of the way before it becomes a bigger problem when the Packers are actually trying to contend. I think this is the year you do it. I'm, I'm not saying it might not be frustrating. It might be, but I think I am ready to be frustrated a little bit for the greater good. Are you? Are you? You look yourself in the mirror. Are you? Are you willing to bite the bullet this year for the for the greater good? Come on, my fellow owners, my fellow fans. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Denny from Holman. Denny and Holman. How are you today, Denny? Hey, you saw a great game yesterday, my friend. I I can't complain. I I can I can complain a little bit how, about how sweaty I was, but I knew the temperature when I went. Well, I shouldn't be able allowed to complain. And your pregame little party was good, but the tiki with Bill too. Huh? that was nice. It was nice, and it was a funny bit. Like I, I thought it was a great. It was funny. It got. It gave people a reason to watch the stream. I bet there were people who yep. listen every day who are like, "All right, I got to see what these numb nuts are doing outside." So they turned on the stream. Oh, you know, Bill gets so fired up. I mean, geez, you mentioned Tiki that day in the air, you know, and yep, and he mentioned it probably ten times after. He was so fired up, you know. But I wanted to comment on the kicking, as you know. Um, so you saw that Carlson, he missed four out of five the other day, and then today he made one out of two. Um, I agree with you. It's the year if you're going to go do anything on a crapshoot, this would probably be the year to do it. My question is, I've been in Lambeau where it's very, very loud, and the Packer fans maybe could put up with a few missed um, field goals, but if he starts missing extra points and stuff like that consistently, I mean, that crowd is just going to rip his heart out of him. You know, I mean, it could really mentally damage him for his career. So I, I didn't want it. Well, we were at the end of the Bill Michaels show earlier today, but but Mike Clemens called in. He had this this uh, impromptu thing. He wanted to talk about the scene he saw at practice where they were having Anders Carlson kick 50-yard field goals and all the teammates were around and watching. And what I heard was they were all gathered around the kicker and they were yelling at him and trying to get in his head. And it was like a fun thing they were doing as a team. And he missed the first one. And then they all were like, one more, one more. And they were waving towels and they were getting in his head. And Mike told this story and Bill responded to it as, oh, well, he, he went one of two. That doesn't bode well. Well, I heard it the other way. I heard that the team is with him and the players are with him. And yeah, even I've if he misses a kick, thing. I heard it as a positive, you know, Danny? Right, right. And I heard, too, that his coach is really, really behind him. And you know as well as I do that how passionate he is, the coach. And he's going to, one way or another, he's going to get something straightened out. Either he's going to make it or he's not going to make it. I think that's the way it's going to fall, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I would mean, what would be a seven-throne draft pick, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know. Well. But, uh Okay, I'm I'm sorry, Grant. What'd you say? No, I was gonna say. You know, people earlier today, I saw tweets complaining about this is why you never draft a kicker. It's like, well, what's the difference between drafting him in the seventh round and signing him as a free agent? Most seventh round picks probably don't make the team anyways. You know, I just don't think there's a difference. Right, right definitely. And you know, like you said, I mean, it's a new, exciting young Packer team. Uh, you could definitely tell there's a different energy than when uh, Rodgers was there. You know. And um, you just all have to go behind them and just kind of throw all your dice in the cup and shake it out and see how it goes, you know? No, I got you. I got to take one last break, Denny, here in the next 30 seconds. All right, man. You have a good day. No, I'm sorry. You as well. I I felt like I cut off your your last point. I'm sorry about that, Denny. Uh, But I do need to take a break. 
Uh, probably going to be pretty quick here before 5 o'clock, but when we come back, a couple more things to say about the Brewers. We can talk a little bit more about the Packers. Lots of NFL news the last 48 hours with the Niners and with the Vikings. Just a lot of things going on. So I want to talk about some big-picture NFL stories as well and a Ken Rosenthal report of what the Brewers almost did at the trade deadline. Those are the best stories. Hey, they almost traded for this guy, the Danny Ainge Boston Celtics special. Almost got AD. Almost got Kawhi. Almost got Jimmy Butler. I almost did it. It's my favorite. So we'll talk about all that coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. I just got a text from Mike Clements. We're going to have a quick check-in with him. 5.30. Just a quickie. I don't want to take too much time from Mike. Um, but if he's willing to come on, I, I do want to get his take on what I believe today was the final practice that the Packers are having. Final public practice. Final. It is a very final week. I mean, their final preseason game is on Saturday. So we're really getting down to it. Mike said on the Bill Michael show earlier today it was not the best practice he'd ever seen. It was some big superlative. All the players out there, all 90 guys on the roster or whatever that are trying to make the team. So I would like selfishly for Mike to come on and describe that scene, including a scene with kicker Anders Carlson. He told the story on Bill's show about what went on at the end with the rookie kicker and everybody else. And Bill heard it as a negative. I read it on Twitter and then heard it from Mike and my mind went the other way. I heard it as the teammates are with Anders Carlson. They got his back. I don't know. I would love to get clarification from Mike, uh, and he he's offering to come on, so we'll talk with him in about a half hour. I want to talk more about the Brewers and talk about some other NFL at-large stories in a couple of minutes because there's been a lot of news last 48 hours, which makes sense. We're getting down to it. Final week of training camp or so. So let's take a two-minute break, get an update from our guy Zach Heilprin. Come back, continue the Wisco Sports Show. Hour two, next. Again, we were rewarded for ball and play, um, and you know, it was nothing special um, in terms of how we hit it, but he hit it in the right spot and used the speed to, to get a base hit. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. lot to talk about with the Brewers tonight. They've won five in a row. Packers had a very important practice today. We're going to connect with Mike Clements. I told Mike, just give me five to eight minutes at 530. I just want to hear about the scene at the end of practice with Anders Carlson. That's all, that's all I need from you, Mike. Don't even worry about cutting audio, no editing, no nothing. I just Five minutes for me to ask you two, three questions, you to set the scene and tell us about what you saw at the end of practice. So there's a lot going on with the Packers, a lot going on in the NFL at large. Trey Lance is a story. What's going on with the Niners and Chris Jones is holding out. And of course, Jonathan Taylor, that feels like it was weeks ago. That was just last Friday, I believe. Was it Friday? Also, really quickly on the Bucks, a New York Times interview with Giannis came out today. Uh, and it was, I don't know how to put it. It's very aggressive. It's Giannis saying, I'm all in to win championships. I want to win at the highest level. I want to accomplish as much as I can. And I want to do that in Milwaukee. But if all of a sudden I can't do it in Milwaukee, then I will go somewhere else. And Cohn tweeted the screenshots at me. Giannis has said all of this 
dozens of other times. Rihanna has said, hey, if we're contending for titles, this is where I want to be. But there might come a day and age where the Bucks can't contend for titles anymore, at least not as seriously as other teams. And that might mean that Giannis leaves. The funny thing about the NBA is you do reach a point as an NBA GM where you have no chips left to push to the middle of the table. You are out of picks. You are out of contracts to move. Players get old. Players retire like Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday. And you just look at Giannis and you're like, man, I... There's, there's nothing else we can do. There's no resources that we can use. We've burnt the candle all the way down and then some. We got nothing left. We're in the NFL. You have countless first-round picks, second-round picks. Baseball, you can trade prospects as many as you want. The NBA, it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult to go all in. It's not impossible, but you run out of resources quick. And the Bucks, you know, they might have a bullet or two in the clip left to fire, but, I mean, they don't have another Drew Holiday they can trade for. They don't have another massive move they can make. So I think that's why their best option is running it back with Drew and Chris, crossing their fingers that folks stay healthy and Marjan uh, and maybe some of the other younger players take a step. But Giannis has said all of this in different words countless other times. This is this is Giannis. He loves Milwaukee, but he wants to win. So as long as he has a shot to win in Milwaukee, and I think I think it would be very unfair for Giannis to say that over the last three, four, five years, he hasn't had a chance in Milwaukee. He's had a chance. Milwaukee has been as good as anyone else or better, right? So up until now, I think Milwaukee, and speaking about the Bucs, not the city, the Bucs have more than held up their end of the bargain. But we might get to a point a year from now, two years from now, where John Horst sits down with Giannis, like, Giannis, I want to do, I want to move mountains for you, my guy. Like, we want to do as much as we can for you. We have no chips left to play. We have nothing left in our arsenal to use. So this is what we have to do. This is the path we have to take. And if you don't agree with that, okay. But just know, it's not like with the Packers. I do think that there are plenty of Packers fans, and probably Aaron Rodgers feels like that over the years, Ted Thompson could have traded that fourth-round pick for Mar- or, uh, uh, Mar- Marjan Lynch, Marjan Bochamp, for Marshawn Lynch. I do think there were moves that the Packers could have made over the last 10 years, that they didn't. I don't necessarily think that way with the Bucks. The NBA is a little bit different. I think there are moves. I always think in 2018 with the Brewers when they probably could have done some sort of Keston Hira-based deal for Manny Machado. That was on the board, and they didn't. And that's fine, but that was an active choice that the Brewers made to say, well, we have this chip. We don't want to play it. The Packers for the last decade have had plenty of chips. They didn't want to play it. And even going back into Brett Favre's years with Randy Moss and other players where they could have done something and they didn't. I don't think if Giannis leaves Milwaukee at some point to go chase championships elsewhere, I don't think it's going to be because John Horst refused to trade this for that and refused to go get this piece to help Giannis. That's not why this divorce is going to happen. If Giannis and the Bucks are going to split, it's because the Bucks burned through every possible resource they had and then some, and they just didn't have any cards left to play. And I guess if that does happen, Bucks fans, here will be this is my my words of of comfort for you. There, there will be nothing more that we or the Bucks could have done. And and I think if the Giannis era does end in Milwaukee and he goes somewhere else. We can look around and say the Bucks did everything they could have done. And they won a title in 2021. So I, I, I don't know. These Giannis quotes, this is the reality. This has been the reality. He said this over and over again. I, I don't think there was some move, some acquisition the Bucks could have made and they chose not to. 
they're pulling out all the stops and then some for Giannis. They even hired the coach that he probably spoke up for and wanted, Adrian Griffin. So I, if this divorce happens, it's not for a lack of trying with the Milwaukee Bucks. It's just the nature of how NBA contracts work and how trades work. You get to a point where you can't trade anything else and you can't spend more money. It's not about having the richest owner or the most aggressive GM. You, you just run out of resources in the NBA faster than you do in baseball or in football. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I am on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. If you would like to tweet me during the show or fight me on Twitter during a Brewer game, I very much enjoy fighting during Brewers games. So I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can call the show if you'd like, 608-321-1670. Let me see if I heard back from Mike. He said 520. What about 520 coming out of the break? That would be awesome, Mike. That would be great. So we're going to talk to Mike here in about 15 minutes. I just said five, eight minutes, somewhere in that range. I want you to tell me about what you saw from Anders Carlson at the end of practice because he, he told this story on Bill's show earlier today, and I saw tweets about this as well. And I think some people heard the story and thought it was a negative. I heard it and actually thought it was a positive, but then again, I'm a little biased towards them developing a younger kicker, so maybe I heard what I wanted to. We'll get the facts from Mike, who's in Green Bay, coming up in about 15 minutes. I wanted to talk about this Brewers story. Ken Rosenthal put out. Uh, this came out, I think, two nights ago, and then I was off yesterday. So I read it, I saw it. We were talking about it at the ballpark yesterday, but didn't get a chance to talk about this on the show. It's Ken Rosenthal. The headline is, Pete Alonzo was center of trade talks with Brewers. Will Mets make move in offseason? Now, I don't want to read this whole story verbatim, but I'm going to try to scroll through this. Bear with me and, and get the big points for you. The Milwaukee Brewers made a significant push to acquire Mets first baseman Pete Alonzo before the deadline. According to sources... Opinions differ on how close a deal was to fruition, but one thing is clear, Alonzo's future with the Mets remains a question. Okay, the Mets traded this guy and that guy. The Brewers ranked towards the bottom in baseball at first base and DH. Okay, so the Mets had reason to trade guys. The Brewers had reasons to trade for Alonzo. Ken Rosenthal setting that up. A Mets official disputed the characterization that a deal with the Brewers was, was within reach, saying that the conversations never accelerated to that level. Other teams, including the Cubs, also spoke to the Mets about Alonzo, but from the Mets' perspective, no deal was ever close. Okay, double-A outfielder Churio uh, was not under discussion. Uh, team source said the Brewers' other top five prospects, Sal Freelick, Jefferson Caro, Jacob Mizrowski, Tyler Black, any of those players could have potentially been the centerpiece of a trade. Um, let's see. just want to make sure I don't miss anything super important. Such a deal would have been a significant departure for the Brewers, whose acquisitions at the deadline are more modest. Their acquisitions this year were Kana, Santana, and Chafin. Yep. Trade for Alonzo would have transformed an offense that entered Tuesday night ranked 22nd in majors and runs per game and electrified the team's fan base. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Quotes from Billy, the Mets GM, and the future of the Mets. So now this is more about the Mets and their future. I'm just scrolling, make sure I don't miss anything. And I'm going to give this story... Awesome. I'm going to click the green button at the bottom. Thank you, Ken. So the Brewers inquired about Pete Alonzo at the deadline. The Mets probably wanted one of Freelick or one of Jackson Churio. I think the Brewers have two players there they feel like they, they love. They have all the tools, have all the skills, can be one of the best hitters in their lineup, maybe one of the best players in the division or in the league or in baseball. Freelick or uh, Jackson Churio. And I feel like if the Brewers were to build a package around one of those guys, that might be enough because Pete Alonso is set to be a free agent after next year. He's going to command a lot of money. And I don't think the Mets with a straight face could have looked at the Brewers and said, we want Sal Freelick, who's your best young guy to crack the majors. And then we want your next specs guy in the minors. I, they're not getting Shohei Otani. 
right? They're not trading for Max Scherzer in his prime or CeCe Sabathia. They're getting a very good first baseman with a year and a half of control if this deal would have been made at the deadline. And I just think it's it's a little bit too rich to reasonably assume that the Mets could have wanted both of those guys. But I bet if the Brewers would have included Freelick and Parts or Jackson Cheerio and Parts, that might have been enough. Uh, the Brewers probably didn't want to part with either one of those guys, and that was understandable given the Brewers are kind of middle of the road this year anyways. I know they've won five in a row, but I don't think there have been very many moments this season where Brewers fans have been standing up and saying, this is the year, we need to go for it, and I doubt the front office feels that way anyways. Just like... Having a different kicker every year is not the Packers' way. Going for it is not the Brewers' way. It's certainly not the Brewers' way this year as they reset with some of these young guys. Now, the offseason could be interesting. Ken Rosenthal, half of this story, most of this story is about the Mets and their future. And I don't think the next version of the contending Mets is going to have Pete Alonso on the roster. I don't think he's going to be playing first base on the next contending version of the New York Mets. You know, they have all this money in payroll. They need to shed. They need to reload the farm system. So it would fit to reason. Is that the correct? It would stand to reason. It would stand to reason is the expression that the Mets might look to trade Pete Alonso this offseason. Now, I could see the Brewers making a deal this offseason. And this is something we've talked about. I've talked about this with David Gasper. Uh, I can't remember if this is something we've discussed with our friend Kurt Hogue from the Journal Sentinel. I think the Brewers brass is going to have to sit down this offseason and decide which of these outfielders do we love because we can't play them all. We can't play Weimer and Freelick and Churio down the line, right? And Garrett Mitchell when he comes back. We got too many guys because Yelich is there, right? And if you DH one of them, well, that eats up your DH spot. Now you lose a ton of roster and, and, and lineup flexibility, which we know the Brewers love flexibility. Craig Council loves flexibility. I mean, Jesus, up until a month ago, Craig Council saying, well, there's not a lot of bats at DH, despite Jesse Winker being awful, awful. Craig didn't want to give up that DH spot because he likes his flexibility. Right? I don't think there's a world in which the Brewers can have regular playing time for Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, Churio in the future, Sal Freelick, Christian Yelich. I mean, it's too many. That's five outfielders for three spots. And even if you DH one of them, I, I just still don't think it's a reasonable situation with all of these young guys. They need third baseman and they need first baseman. So the last couple of weeks I've posited, we get to the offseason, Brewers Brass, they got to sit down and decide who they really like, who they really like. Who do we want to build around moving forward? Let's, let's pick three guys and Yelich. So Yelich gets one outfield spot. Let's think of three guys that we love for the other two spots. And if that's Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelick and Joey Weimer, well, maybe that means that Churio is a part of the future. Maybe we want to wait for Churio, so that means Garrett Mitchell is the odd guy out. We're unsure that he can stay healthy 100%. He's been dinged up, obviously, throughout his shoulder. They have too many guys. So what's to say this offseason the Brewers brass doesn't sit down and say, okay, we got too many players for too few spots. Garrett Mitchell is the odd guy out. We like the other players too much, so let's put together a package of Garrett Mitchell and some pitching prospect that's very good, but, but not prospect but a good prospect and we can build a package around those two guys and we can go get our first baseman Pete Alonzo and then Pete Alonzo can compliment Bryce Terang if he moves to shortstop and Christian Yelich and Joey Weimer and Sal Freelick are our outfielders William Contreras is our catcher okay well, well now third base is a little bit of a question mark and we got to figure out shortstop although I kind of think Bryce Terang maybe gets moved to short if Adamas leaves in free agency and then they have to figure out second base but you get my point they are trading from a position of depth to address a position of need. 
And I think the Mets are going to be taking calls on players like Pete Alonso this offseason. And I think the Brewers have extra capital at certain positions. They can't play all of these guys. They cannot give all of these guys enough at bats to justify, I think, keeping them on the roster. Maybe that means Weimer's the odd guy out. Maybe that means, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. If, if I were to ask Matt Arnold right now to rank his outfielders, I don't know where Garrett Mitchell would be or Joey Weimer would be. I have a pretty good idea that Sal Freelich and Jackson Churio are towards the top. And we haven't seen Jurio play in the, in the majors yet, but I love Freelich. I love his game. I love everything about it. It feels very sustainable. He didn't come up here and just start hitting a bunch of home runs. No, there's well-rounded bat-to-ball skills and defensive skills there that I, I really, really like. That's a player you want to build around. So maybe Joey Weimer or Garrett Mitchell's the odd man out. You build a package around one of those guys, you go get Pete Alonso. I think a deal in the offseason makes way more sense anyways. I'm, 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 I'm kind of out on midseason deals. I just don't know that it makes a ton of sense. I, I think the, the middle of the season trade deadline is for adding an extra arm to your bullpen, adding an extra bat like a Mark Canna. I, I don't think that's where you get your blockbuster first baseman or your blockbuster DH. I, I don't know that that's good business because baseball is – is such a weird sport that I want my manager, I want Craig Council to have a full six months with his guys. I want him to have all that time to collect all that data and to collect all that experience to give his team the best chance. And I think when you majorly shake up the lineup with a massive piece in August, then a lot of that math, a lot of that experience needs to be reset. And I I just don't know if that's a good process. I think selling a piece in the middle of the season shakes up your team in a massive negative way. We saw that with Hader. I think doing the deal in the offseason, if Hader would have been dealt in the offseason or if Corbin Burns is dealt in the offseason, okay, you're not shaking up a season and you have time to figure it out before the next season starts. I just think offseason deals make way more sense than midseason deals. I know it takes away a little bit of the excitement. When, you know, a team acquires a CeCe Sabathia-type player in the middle of the season, that's that's unbelievable. What a shot in the arm for the fan base. I just don't know if it's the best business. And I think most baseball execs would agree because we don't see a lot of players getting rented, high-level, expensive players getting rented. Instead, it's Mark Canna, right, or, or Lucas Giolito in the case of the Angels. They should have got Lance Lynn. The Angels are, man, Shohei Otani's got a tear in his UCL. That's a whole other topic, and it's sad how the Angels' season and how Otani's season is coming to a close here. That's a huge bummer. They should have traded him. I wish they would have traded him, but baseball execs, they're too smart. Mid-season trades for a CC Sabathia-type player don't happen anymore, and it's probably good business, but it's bad for fans. We want to see those massive deals, but GMs are too smart. They know they're dumb. It's not good value there. It's not good team building, which I get, but sometimes baseball gets a little bit too smart for for the fan zone good. All right, let's take a break. Three minutes. We'll come back with Mike Clemens. I just want to hear the story of what happened at the end of practice today. So we'll connect with Mike. Coming up next, it's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show just spent a couple minutes reacting to the Pete Alonzo story. It's not a surprise that the Brewers were in on him. I want to put a bookmark in Pete Alonzo and the Mets. I mean, what if David Stearns goes there? You think David Stearns turns around and calls the Brewers? It's like, hey, I just took over the Mets. You know, I want fair return, but I thought I'd give you the courtesy here of starting talks on Pete Alonzo with you guys. I think the Brewers got too many outfielders. They can't develop them all and give them all at bats. And I've said throughout the summer, they're probably going to have to choose three guys other than Yelich. Garrett Mitchell, J. 
Joey Weimer, uh, Freelick, Churio. They got too many guys. So take your pick of three or two and then maybe cash in one or two of the other guys or a package based on one of the other two guys to go get a first baseman or a third baseman. And Trapeed Alonzo, I think it's interesting, and I think it's a player and a story we might return to in a couple of months in the offseason. Mike Clements is here. Mike, you called earlier from Green Bay a couple times the Bill Michaels Show. I appreciate you so much. Uh, this is You're going above and beyond for us today. People want to talk about the kickers. I, I guess I'm not surprised. Yeah, and while I'm thinking about it, though, um, you get a, a gold star in my book because you toughed it out all through extra innings yesterday at AmFam Field. where I mean, I had a buddy that was there was covering it said, Mike, he said by, by the fourth inning it was 100 degrees on the field, 100 degrees. Well, it's funny. When the bottom of the ninth ended, so the game went to extra innings, you looked around the, the first and third base lines, and it looked like the game was ending because half of the crowd just said, nope, we're done, made their way up the <laughs> exit. It looked like the stadium was emptying right there. Fans just said they'd had enough. I'm taking off. Well, yeah, the the great stadium with the retractable dome must have felt more like a greenhouse or something. Um, so today was technically the final practice of training camp 2023. It wasn't open to the public. Uh, the players, after a very long, hot day out on the practice field in those same conditions up here in Green Bay, uh, LaFleur had them out there in helmets and in uh, shorts, but they were wearing shells, and they were going full speed at running plays. So they had two or three different scrimmage periods. They had some drills. Rashawn Gary was doing some drills, but LaFleur said he is not going to play against the Seahawks, and he's not going to uh, – and is he going to be able – is he ready in time for the opener against the Bears? You know, not they're not going to say yet, uh, but they are getting him into team drills, and, and so, you know, they're bringing him along after that torn ACL. So then you get to the end of camp, and uh, and the final uh, series, and it was interesting to note that finally, for some reason, the way the script was, for about the last 20 plays, they cut the music. The mu- They play loud hip-hop or rock music constantly through practice, not only as a way to you know motivate the players and make you know, have some music at the background go along, but to sort of resemble crowd noise or the noise of a stadium on game day. And, you know, for me, though, for all the years that I got to watch it where they would never even think of having music on the field, um, it was great to finally get back to where I could hear 100% uh, Jordan Love's signal calls. I could hear what coaches are yelling and shouting. I could hear players' comments on the sidelines. So it really savored that scrimmage toward the end today. And then uh, it ended on a a game situation where they ran out of time so they wouldn't have had enough time to to kick a kick. And Matt LaFleur, you could hear him as clear as a bell, ran into the middle of 90 guys and said, hey, you know what, what do you say we finish camp with Anders Carlson kicking a field goal? And everyone goes, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's Bakhtiari and all these other guys wearing their concussion guardian caps on their helmets, all gathered around, 90 of them, Aaron Jones, and then there's Anders Carlson with the kicking operation to set up a field goal from 50 yards out. So they put the net up, they've got the goal post, and these guys are all cheering and chanting and making noise like it's crowd noise. And some of the guys, too, had water bottles, and they were squirting on them <laughs> as if he had to you know, make this kick in a crosswind with, a, with the rain in his face or something. But he sets up, and it's... Set, plant, miss. It goes wide left. And you like all of a sudden, all this cheering, all this, you know, 
team work, team and fellowship goes as quiet as you could hear a pin drop. Like, oh, I got this guy. It was high, had the distance, but it was outside the goalpost, and the other one one left is down there signaling not good. And then somebody shouts out, hey, let's do it again. Yeah, do over. Give, give another shot. So then the now the players start chanting Zombie Nation, that song like they play on game days. And they sounded pretty good. They sound like a 90-man choir. And he makes the second kick. Okay. And then you look at the end of the field, and there's Brian Goodigan standing alone in the end zone, hands in his pocket, looking down, <laughs> walking off the field, kind of shaking the head, like, you know, what am I going to do? And and then talking to John Eric Sullivan, his director of scouting, at the crosswalk at Oneida as before they cross the lot and go back into the new building there on the on the west side and it's just like you know you got the whole team there cheering you on and say hey come on let's take us out with a with a good one from 50 yards out and he missed it wide left you know so it's funny you told the story to bill earlier today and bill heard it as lots not good i mean like very much in 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 a negative light i heard this story as and maybe i'm hearing what i want to hear but i heard the story as all the teammates rallying around their kicker getting excited for him to kick, and he misses, and then getting amped up to do it again and getting fired up. And, and I don't know. I heard it more of a story of of teammates coming together and having a nice moment. Is it more about that he missed the first one? I mean, it was a 50-plus-yard kick. You guys got, got guys spraying water on you. I mean, that's not a gimme. He missed the first one, made the second. I, I heard that as a nice moment where the teammates were kind of all rallying around him. But if I'm hearing it wrong, correct me. Well, and listen, let's play a little bit of this clip. I think I, I left too much on there. But he, here he talked about being challenged. Apparently, LaFleur actually did this once to him during OTAs on a day where they didn't let in the media. But he was asked about, hey, Flash, you got to run out there and kick a, a field goal. Oh, and by the way, everyone's going to razz you and squirt some water on you that, like, like you're in a car wash. So he talked about, uh, Anders talked about that challenge. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know it was coming, so it was a good surprise. But, I mean, it's it's good stuff to kind of put you in a real game situation. Um, yeah, I think the first one was a, a timeout before I kicked it. You know, regroup, hit, hit the next one. And then uh, yeah, the last one was a good to kind of back it up, kind of see yourself get back. Because, uh, you know, last last game we had the extra point that I thought was going to come back, actually. Uh, they, they took it on the kickoff. But situations like that are going to happen in the game. So they one at the end of practice. So they, they, they yeah. put the screws yeah. to you. I mean, yeah. they were crowding you. They were Absolutely. squirting water on you. Yeah. I mean, how is that applicable to what you might face? I mean, I think it just signs up the, of the moment, right? You get some more energy. It's, it's fun for me, I think, just uh, being out there in front of the guys. And, you know, they're messing around, having fun with the water and everything. But uh, for me, it's a time to lock in and, and try to execute a real game rep. I try to assimilate everything. But when you get a little more energy, it feels a little more like uh, Sundays and Saturdays. So, Mike... I think there's a world in which Carlson comes into the season and, and, you know, misses a kick here and there. And maybe they're not game winners. Maybe they're not massive kicks, but it's clear that he's learning on the fly and taking his lumps. And I think there's a world in which he feels ostracized from his teammates and the teammates are frustrated, frustrated at him. And then there's a world in which he's taking his lumps and growing, but his teammates embrace him and have his back. And I, I wonder you know, if he struggles, which way it's going to go. And, and part of that is on the coaches, right, to keep everyone united and keep everyone together. I, I think getting all of the other players to buy in to his development and, and his learning curve, that's so important. And I'm, I, I just don't know how that's going to go or if that's going to happen. No, you're, you're dead on. 
you're you're a hundred percent right about all this stuff that's going on here with this one important position. And so then I went to him and said, you know, look, I mean, you had those ninety guys churn for you. You had what? You had a bunch of your teammates saying, hey, give him another chance. Let's do it again. You know, give him another chance to go out on a high note. Not to, you know to not be you know, a, a goat, uh, yeah. used to be, the term used to be goat as if he screwed up like Charlie Brown or something. Yeah. And I said, do you feel like you let your teammates down when you missed that first one? Uh, I'd say I'm my hardest critic, but definitely when I miss, I'm like, you know, I want the guys to go crazy. And so I missed the first word, Mike, of that. So I'm going to back it up and I'm going to play that again. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd say I'm my hardest critic, but definitely when I miss, I'm like, you know, I want the guys to go crazy and celebrate and end off the right way. And, uh, it's good to put the second one through, but uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a, a morale booster when you do put it through. Hmm. So let me submit to the court this. Yeah. About an hour and a half after everyone tweeted out this story, like Carlson misses from 50 yards out to try and end camp and then gets the second one, all of a sudden a little tweet pops up from Texas, and it's Mason Crosby on an open field. And he does a little shout-out to, to his kids or, or being the family man. But he sets up for a 50-yard field goal, and here's the audio from that. It's always dad season. We've got to keep preparing for football season, too. There it is. Split the uprights. Boom. I saw this video. Yeah. Boom. Right down the middle. I'm going to, I will start the conspiracy theory now. He saw that tweet. He got in the car. He drove to the nearest high school field and videotape that kick and say, you need 50, here you go. So if Anders Carlson struggles, do you think Crosby's the one they bring back, or do you think they go with another young guy or another fresh face? I just feel like they're done with Crosby. I feel like we've crossed that bridge. We're not going back. I don't know. I would think the smart thing to do is to call Crosby. But every everything that I get from this organization right now is, we're going into the season with the kid. Yeah. He can kick the ball from 70 yards. Bisaccia is an experienced guy. Bisaccia does all kinds of good things to test these guys like I've never seen before. Like I was talking about the time the other day where he had both the holders that are competing, the two punters, and it's Bisaccia himself like a catcher. He's down on his knees, and he's lateraling, lateraling balls high, low, grounders, low and away, high and above, uh, to, so that these, so he can see from, you know, seven, eight, eight yards away how these guys, where their eyes are, how they react, do they have a weak spot, the, all those kinds of things. So, I mean, Bisaccia is all over it like, like no special teams guy I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, we're making Ron Zook jokes out here all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no you know? there's no shortage of special teams coordinators to compare him to. You want to go around Zook or Sean Slocum or Sean Menenga or Maurice Drayton. Like, we, we've just had so many special teams coordinators that have become punchlines and defensive coordinators that become punchlines. So, Mike, I'll, I'll ask you this lastly because I think this should color the way that we feel and, and what we think of the plan with Anders Carlson. When Rich Bisaccia spoke with the media the other day and when you watch him working with these guys – do you get a good sense that he has a plan and that he has his arms around this and he understands step one, step two, step three of bringing along a young kicker and, and, and bringing this unit together as the season goes along? Because if you buy into what Rich Bisaccia is selling, then that should lead you to feel a lot better about Anders Carlson. I think Bisaccia is 
telling LaFleur, and he's basically saying to Gutekinds, give me some chance to work with this kid, okay? okay? He'll, he'll, he'll be like... It'll be like the preseason game the other night where he kicked one from 52 and he did convert the two PATs. He's going to miss some kicks. Let's, you know, give us, give us four or five games, some weeks to work it out. And he can be your next Ryan Longwell, your next Mason Crosby because he can kick the ball 70 yards. So, you know, just let me work with him and, and everything you, when you talk to this kid, you can tell he's had a lot of time with the team psychologist when he talks about his own personal template, you know, sure. the mental part of it versus the physical, you know, versus, versus consistency versus confidence, all those other kinds of things. But, oh, man, what a, what a crazy, dramatic moment. And at the end of the day, when you're watching the GM having to cross the street, you know, saying, what am I going to do? <laughs> what do yeah. I do here? Yeah. Right? It's so, almost like yeah. the scene out of a movie at the end of an intense scene where, where an employee is trying to impress the boss or the, the athlete's trying to impress the coach, and then you look up in the window up above and he's standing there with his arms crossed watching the whole time. It's very, it very much seems like something out of a movie. And, you know, and it's, it's no it, – what even makes it more interesting is just a week ago you had the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick in here, and he had a 38-year-old kicker, Nick Folk, yeah. and, a, and a rookie named Raider, and they want to go with the rookie – but he's got the 38-year-old still on the roster and in camp just in case. Yeah, Packers going about it a different way. It'll be entertaining to see how it goes, good or bad. It'll be interesting for sure and something that we're going to talk about. Mike, appreciate you. Go relax. Go chill out. I'm sure you won't relax. I'm sure you're going to go do more work. But we'll talk to you on Bill's show tomorrow afternoon. Talk to you then about 120, okay? Awesome. Yeah, appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for the time. Bye-bye. Mike Clements on Twitter, at Mike Clements NFL. can paint a picture, can he? could just see Brian Gutekind standing over there by the goalpost, arms crossed, sunglasses on. What am I going to do? <laughs> it seems like I, I know this, that that shot in that scene has happened in movies before, but I can't think of a movie off the top of my head. I can't think of a specific example, but you know, where the, where the, the protagonist, the hero in the story is trying to accomplish a task, trying to impress the boss, get something done before a timeline, come through on a promise that they made. And as the buzzer sounds or the, the deadline uh, hits and the task isn't done and all of a sudden the cameras look up and, and who's looking down from the office window or, or who's looking down from the press box. There it is. There's the boss shaking shaking their head in disappointment. Can anyone think of this? I feel like that scene, that exact shot, that moment has happened in so many movies and I can't think of one. So if you can think of one, tweet me at Wisco Grant or we'll take more phone calls. We'll talk more Packers next. 608-321-1670. Back in five minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you hanging out. Appreciate Mike Clements. God, he's the best. That man can paint a picture. The man can tell a story. Appreciate the latest from Mike Clemens on what's going on in Green Bay. I heard the Anders Carlson story is a positive. I think Anders Carlson, if he's fine, if he's good enough, miss an extra point here and there, miss a kick here and there, if it doesn't impact any of the games win-loss-wise, I think this year he has as good a chance as any on still bonding with his teammates, them having his back, because a lot of these guys, I mean, Luke Musgrave, what leg does Luke Musgrave have to stand on? 
He never played in the NFL before. Jaden Reed, Jordan Love, a lot of these guys are doing it this year for the first time. A lot of young players this year taking over their spot, becoming a pillar, becoming a big piece of an NFL team for the first time. Might as well also be the year where the kicker tries to take hold and and become a pillar on a football team for the first time as well. I, I just think if you're going to develop a young kicker, ideally that young kicker matches the timeline of a lot of the other players on the roster, and that is the case for the Packers in 2023. And, you know, if that kicker is going to struggle and take his lumps, well, you might as well do it when the team is in a little bit of an in-between year like the Packers are right now. They're balancing out their salary cap sheet, lining up some extra draft picks this upcoming offseason from the Aaron Rodgers trade, trying to figure out what they have in this player and this coach and this guy and that guy. This is the year because if Jordan Love is the guy and Matt LaFleur is the guy and this team is any good, then it's not going to be any easier next year or the year after because ideally the Packers are only going to improve and get better and become more of a contender in 2024 and beyond. Tony is 608-321-1670. Tony, what's going on today? Grant, you are a pillar of Wisconsin sports radio. It does not get much better than Grant Bills on the Wisco Sports Show, who, by the way, I saw on the Bart Winkler YouTube show. So how was that? Was that fun? The, that tailgate was quite something that he threw. I had some coworkers at the game. I saw some friends who were sitting on the other side. Everyone was at the Brewer game yesterday. I don't know why. Maybe it's because Brewer's twins and... There's a lot of Twins fans, uh, especially on the western side of the state, that make the trip over. But Bart's tailgate was massive. We were there, and I was there tailgating about two hours before first pitch. And it was it was like being in an oven a couple of hours before then going and sitting in another oven in the ballpark on a 100-degree day. Yeah, you got some Texas weather there, Grant. And I hope your girlfriend saw a picture of that crew. Because, Grant, you got to admit, you were probably the best-looking guy there, right? Well, well, no. I, oh God, she had to have said, Grant, you know, I, you know look at, look at, I'm lucky with good old Grant here, Mr. I, Mr. Sports Radio. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. I'm making you blush. If, hey, Grant, I'm having yes. a hell of a day. I'm not going to lie. I just sold my house. Really? The most, most money wired to me ever in my life. Let's Congrats. Oh, my God. I, I'm like Jordan Love right now. I got the world by the balls. So I am just so excited right now. So what's this. next? Apartment? Condo? Uh, yes. You're, you're thinking my language. Condo, townhouse, and, and the nice part of Dallas. So I like that. very excited about that. Well, I, I need to be where the action is, you know? Well, wow, you're always where the action is. I You should live where the action is. I agree, Tony. That sounds like a good move yeah, for you. Well, it saves you DWI, too, right? <laughs> I, yep. That's strict. Yep. You got to be smart. Correct. Yes. I, I, in all seriousness, and I, I drunk, I despise drunk driving, and all that. But Sunday afternoons after Packer games, you know, either way, win or loss, you drank a few beers, and you're like, "Whoa, should I be driving right now?" So I don't want to deal with that uh, after a Packer game. But let me talk about the. I like to call him the Orson Welles of Packers football, Mike Clemens. What a treasure! Right. I love Mike Clemens. Oh, he can just tell a story. I mean, Mike, you bring him on and he's like, so we're at the end of practice today. And you're just like, all right, I can settle into my seat. It's like when at the movie theater and the lights go down and you, you kind of scoot down into the seat. Maybe you put out the foot recliner. That's, that's how I feel whenever Mike starts a story. Oh, just want to drink a lemonade and, and listen to that guy talk, man. Awesome. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, my that is God. great. All right. couple of questions for you. Rapid fire. Jordan Love versus Trey Lance. Who would have thought Jordan Love looks like the better quarterback right now? And what did the Packers do? Yeah, they pissed off their Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame quarterback, who, by the way, had two of his best years. But they let him sit behind that Hall of Fame quarterback for three years, and I think he's got it. I know it's early, but he looks a hell of a lot better than Trey Lance. 
Yeah, well, no kidding. Well, Trey Lance, that's that's a whole other thing. And, and seeing we're comparing situations with the Packers and the Jets, you know, Corey Davis retired, and I'm seeing reports Where yesterday from, from, I don't know, and I'm seeing reports yesterday that Randall Cobb is now taking more snaps than Nicole Hardman in Jets training camp. And I just, I don't know. I talked about this with Bill earlier today. Look at the Jets' skill position group. I don't think it's actually that good. I don't no. think it's the super team that it's being billed as, whereas Jordan Love, yeah, he might not be with superstar wide receivers, but he is with a group of lots of guys that he can grow with and he matches their timeline. I just think it's a more natural fit now in Green Bay. And that's not Rogers' fault. That's nothing personal against him. It's hard to take a 40-year-old wide receiver and rebuild a new receiving core of 21-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, the Packers guys are young, but they're emerging. And there's, there's a group of them, to your point. Kind of reminds me of when they had, you know, my guy, Jermichael, Greg Jennings, and, and James Jones and Jordy. So they got a group of guys, and you look at the Jets. Yeah, they got that one stud in Garrett Wilson, but you know what else they got for the passing game? I, I don't know. It's that's kind of a weird situation. And at Corey Davis, I feel like I was literally at the Cotton Bowl a, a few years ago right. watching him play for Western Michigan against the Badgers. Right, and and he was one of the hot receivers coming out in that draft. The Packers were looking at. He was a wasn't he a top five pick? Was he top five top six? He was he was uh, up there. No. No, I think he was. I don't have it in front of me. I think he was projected to go high. Kind of fell to the mid round, the middle of the first round, to the Titans. But that that's just really strange. Really strange. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is I'm feeling better about the Packers situation, not only this year but long term. Compared, you want to get the Jets in the mix? Yeah, compared to even the New York Jets and the San Francisco 49ers and the Eagles are probably one, two top in the NFC. What uh, favorites? You'd probably put them. Them two, maybe Dallas. Maybe who else would you throw in the mix? I mean, who else is really good? The Lions? Is anyone else uh, sniffing what I'm sniffing with the Washington Commanders? I I don't know. Like, Paul Charchian was on the network earlier today talking about how he likes Sam Howell as kind of a sneaky, interesting late-round quarterback. They got really good defensive linemen and edge rushers, so you can disrupt the other team's quarterback. They got Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin. I love their weapons. I, I don't know. I'm not picking the Commanders to to go on a run or make it late into the postseason. But I think they're an interesting team. And I think I think we all assume that Seattle is not going to do this year what they did last year. I don't know. I saw Peter Schrager on FS1. He was tweeting about this today. He's like, hey, guys, the Seahawks are going to be very good. They are going to be very, very good this year. So maybe we're discounting Seattle on their upside as well. Hey, let me tell you, I'm, gonna throw, I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm not, I'm not sniffing that Hunter Biden stuff. I'm not buying Washington. <laughs> That's fine. Um, okay. I'm <laughs> not fine. buying them. Yeah. Okay. If let, let's just say hypothetically, Pete Carroll wins the Super Bowl this year, he's a he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pete Carroll. He, he's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know. Do you know how insane it is? We don't talk about this enough. We do not talk about this enough. Pete Carroll. We thought Pete Carroll was holding down Russell Wilson for years. We're like, oh, Pete Carroll's such a boomer. Won't let Russell Wilson cook. So (laughs) Seattle trades him. Russ gets everything he wants. He gets the pro-style offense. He crashes and burns in year one. And Pete Carroll takes Geno Smith, who we all left for dead, and Seattle does what Seattle does. All of a sudden, they look great, and they have that great energy. And they're just Seattle under Pete Carroll, Tony, they're just that team that won't go away. They never went away when Russ was there. They didn't go away last year. Right. Yep. They're a cockroach. They won't go away. Yeah. And I'm doing a 180 on, on the Seahawks. I used to hate them, kind of like them. Same. I think they're, Same. They're, they're, they're going to give the Niners any everything they can this season. And lastly, Grant, a Brewer question. 
Uh, yes or no. Uh, Corbin Burns or Wade Miley, game seven, who do you got? Who are you pitching? Because I do not trust Burns. Well, Burns. I Don't hold yesterday against Burns. No one okay. could grip the ball yesterday. Devin Williams, Craig Council talked about after the game, sweaty hands. It was 100 degrees. Kent Maeda didn't look great. Corbin Burns didn't look Miley, great. Our guy, Miley, could give you six innings, maybe one run. I just, we could. Miley, to me, is like, sure. to me, Miley's just consistent. Corbin's like, hey, you might get 12 strikeouts, eight innings, but you might get he might get just blasted in, in the first two innings. Wade Miley know. does not have the stuff that Corbin Burns has, and I think that matters a lot more when you're going against the Braves or the Phillies because you, I don't want to rely on batted ball luck against elite offenses. I, I don't want to. Against the Pirates, sure. I'll, I'll take my luck with Adrian Hauser and Wade Miley, and they're going to be efficient and get ground ball outs. I don't want to have to rely on some of the best offenses in baseball hitting the ball at infielders because if you're betting on batted ball luck you can get burned against an elite offense very quickly and that's what you're doing with wade miley versus corbin burns i, I agree i agree hey it's game seven all seriousness i'm going to peralta the guy's electric i saw him yeah. in person right now he looks as good as any brewers pitcher he looks incredible Freddie, right now. Freddie's awesome he, he he's got cy young stuff he is awesome and we got a great one in south free league after watching him a few games i i you know what i'm stock up brewers stock up pack stock up badger football Stock down bucks. Well, well, that's well. We could talk about that I, a different time. I, I gotta I run, Tony. I, I gotta run. All right, buddy. <laughs> appreciate I, I'm just you. Exciting, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, of course. And congrats on selling your house. That's Tony in Texas. We'll take one more call, then we gotta take our final break. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Grant. This is Vagabond John. How we doing? I'm doing great, Vagabond John. How about yourself today? Uh, listening to the Groove Master playing bass in my garage right now. Ooh. So, uh, couldn't be a couldn't be a better afternoon. On a Thursday, but uh, curious conversation we were just having. Um, Corey Davis was fifth overall, right? And John Ross was also a top ten pick. So I did Google it. Disastrous, disastrous 2017 draft. By the way, one year before Gutekunst took over. Just imagine how many Super Bowls Aaron Rodgers would have if he had John Ross or Corey Davis. You know what I mean? Like if you yeah. gave him a top ten receiver, there's no way he doesn't make at least seven more Super Bowls. But well. Yeah. Um, that 2017, so this is before Gutekunst, right? So this is Ted Thompson's parting gift, taking Kevin King, Josh Jones, Montrevious Adams, Vince Beagle, Jamal Williams, and D'Angelo Yancey. Those are the first six picks. If Aaron Jones isn't the gem found in, like, the fifth or sixth round, that might be one of the worst drafts in Packers history, huh? Yeah, but I don't know. You can't do that. You can't say, well, if you take this pick, well, that pick, happened you know plus you know d'angelo yancey i i I completely forgot about him i forgot yeah he's a long shot from purdue but i'm just saying like none of those players panned out from injury i'm not saying they were bad picks at the time but if you kind of look at gudekunst there's already people saying that you know if they don't get more wins this year than next year or whatever that gudekunst seats getting warm or whatnot i'm like look at this draft class he was given to inherit (laughs) going into year two for these guys and yeah. I don't know. I, this the first time I've ever looked at this specific angle here. But, uh, yeah, wanted to. Main reason I called was, you know, to publicly extend the invite, come over to the garage, and uh, come jam out with the, the, the groove father sometime. Talk dirty to me. Uh, we will talk. We will talk. I'm definitely interested. It's been a while since I've played in a garage. I've been playing guitar in my apartment, and that's just lame. I would like to play slightly it's- louder. The garage is uh, partially air-conditioned. Ooh, that's that's an extra bad. W. Not bad. Well, there I got to run. I got to get one go. more break in here, Vagabond John, but it was nice to hear from you. Yep. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. I forget about that draft. Vince Beagle, 
We don't need T.J. Watt. We'll just take Vince Beagle. And I was a sucker who bought into that. I don't know. The revisionist history on drafts is is painful. I saw Eric Eager tweet about this today. He's like, oh, it's good to see that everyone knew Trey Lance was awful all along, and therefore this is a bad pick. It's Well, you know, we're so quick to go back to picks and say that was so dumb. Well, but we weren't saying that at the time. The draft is a crapshoot. You cross your fingers. You follow good process. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Let's take one final three-minute break. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show wrapping up for the night. Appreciate Mike Clemens, Tony from Texas, Vagabond John. I'm sure there were a couple callers I couldn't get to, and for that I apologize. Try to make good on that tomorrow. Brewers off tonight, so enjoy a night of peace and quiet. I'm going to watch probably half a dozen episodes of Suits, maybe play some League of Legends. It's good for the soul. Never miss a Friday show. Talk to you tomorrow.